right, welcome back to Formate Arbitration. Today we're going to get back into some salted peanuts. Just a few things. One of the things is going to take forever. It's 44 pages. I'm going to read all of it, but it's something that a lot of people have reached out about, and that's management forcing us to curtail mail on our routes so that they'll uh, get some undertime from us and that we can do pivots off another route. So curtailing mail on our routes to force us into undertime so that we can do pivot on other routes. We're going to cover that in depth today. And I got this from a member on Discord. I'm telling you, if you're not on Discord, you need to get on there. A lot of great stuff going on there. Uh, a lot of uh, contractual things, a lot of grievances being discussed on there. And some off-topic stuff. Like I said, those cats are going crazy all the time on Discord. But a member of Discord sent this to me. I reached out to them because they're very informative. They know a lot. And so uh, they sent me this entire packet, and I'm going to read the whole thing. It's got some great arbitration sites, some B-team decisions. Again, you can't use the B-team decisions because they're, unless they're from your installation. But it'll tell you kind of where the, the B-team is looking at when we're talking about contractual language also where arbitrators are looking at and when we're talking about contractual language and where they put their onus on as far as uh, why they decided in our favor so that should be very good um, talk about hip a little bit i had a arbitration we pre-arbed this last week and the person uh, i pre-arbed it and so the branch president was not happy with me uh, he was furious <laughs> And so I'll read you what he sent me, and then we'll talk about uh, that a little bit and, and our thinking behind that pre-arb. Uh, a lot of people don't like me, and that's okay. You know, like I said, I, I just get on here. I'm a city letter carrier. I'm nothing special as far as contract, contractual things or things like that. I've, I've dealt with a lot of things, like I said, but really, at the end of the day, I'm a city letter carrier. Tomorrow, I'll be out delivering my route, and I'll work six days straight all the way through Saturday and have my day off Sunday. So uh, don't lift me up on some pedestal. I thought it was funny <laughs> this past week. Uh, somebody put a meme up. It was really funny saying me waiting on Corey to drop his next episode and had this guy sitting in a chair looking all sad, and then he was just standing up looking all sad. And somebody underneath there, this guy says, overrated. So he dislikes me so much that he got on this guy's thing talking about waiting for Corey's next episode so that he could say overrated. I, so I just replied, hell, I'm I'm just glad to know I'm rated. And so uh, I know a lot of people don't like me and I rub people the wrong way. And that's all right. Uh, there's this person named Glenn on, on Spotify will send me notifications every week when I have new comments. And so this person named Glenn, he does not like me, me at all. So I, I just went back and uh, copied all of his stuff. And so here's the comments from people. And then and in, in comes Glenn. And somebody said, uh, felt like a Baptist revival in this episode. Thank you. Great episode, Corey. You're so right. Here's Glenn. More crying like a baby. <laughs> and so in <laughs> another one, this guy says, uh, Pound of flesh, my ass, it's our life at risk. Where's the accountability? He needs to go. And then here comes Glenn. Turn it off after a few minutes due to profanity. And then here's another one. Uh, very helpful info. Thank you. Awesome. Best episode yet. <laughs> here's Glenn coming back in. 
Nothing but crying about management and profanity. Turned off less than five minutes in. <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> said, uh, keep it going, brother. Best episode to date. Every Carrie needs to be listening to this podcast. Great info. Here's Glenn. Boring. <laughs> hey, Glenn, all I can tell you, man, is I appreciate you not giving up on me, man. You're coming in every week with, some, with something to say. That means you're listening. You hadn't given up on me, man. Don't give up on me yet, Glenn. I'll do better, man. I'll win you over before this is all said and done. But uh, I can always count on Glenn to bring me back to reality. Everybody's talking about, man, that's a great episode. Here's Glenn. Boring. <laughs> I appreciate you, Glenn, man. I do, brother. <laughs> I really do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, overrated and boring and all that. So, I, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, man. I'm just glad you're drinking anyway. So, anyway, uh, hip, hip training. Let's talk about this pre-arm. And, and I think where people are getting uh, sidetracked a little bit. The very first episode I did about hip, I told you to ask for the money. And I said, what? It's not about the money. It's not about the money. Remember that? It's not about the money. The money is the catapult that's going to catapult this case into arbitration. Where arbitrators are going to see where management is, where the falsification of it, the language we need to get. Now, I do believe that our union should have gone nationally with this. And listen, they're much smarter than me, much smarter than me up there. So if they said they didn't think they should take it uh, to a national arbitration, hey, they're, they're head and shoulders smarter than me. The reason I believe it should have gone to national arbitration is this, is that when you have cases all over the country, every region's doing it differently, okay? The first thing we should have done nationally is saying, hey, due to this hip falsification, we're going to get, everybody's going to do the same information request. This is what we're going to ask for. You got some brilliant people at the business agents' offices. They should have gotten together. You got the CAU, all these people. This is the information that we're going to request nationally. Every shop steward's going to request this information. This is the issue statement that we're going to use nationally. This is the only issue statement we're going to use. These are the contentions that we're going to have and that we're going to look for. What we're going to do as far as statements are concerned. Nationally, this is what we're going to do. And this is the national remedy that we're going to request. I believe that should have been done. Because you have a thousand different grievances with a thousand different issues, a thousand different remedy requested. Uh, you got B-team decisions all over the place, man. And now we finally had one go to arbitration, which is an absolute laughable decision by this arbitrator. If you read it, it is absolutely laughable what this arbitrator said, almost comical. And uh, a lot of people have reached out to me this week about it, saying that they believe that we were hoodooed by our own people by putting in front of this arbitrator who is known to split the baby. This arbitrator is known to split the baby. And somehow this one case, which was not a very good case, makes it in front of all these other cases that are waiting to go in front of this one particular arbitrator that flat hoodoos it, man. <laughs> a flat shit decision. Comical is so shitty. And so a lot of people, as a matter of fact, right before I started this, had somebody reach out to me on um, Titan email said, hey, I believe that was a shot at you. 
and I'm not that powerful. I don't. It does make you wonder, but they said, I believe that was a shot at you by putting it in front of that arbitrator because of the decision he gave. <laughs> if you read it, it's very comical, if it wasn't so tragic as far as uh, what they said. But I believe that National should have taken this on and taken it to National Arbitration because of things like this. You'll have cases going in front of arbitrators that may not be the best cases, and when you have small town USA going in front of an arbitrator and you got a, a, a supervisor who will be coached into saying whatever he wants, they want him to say, he can play ignorant. Well, they're not playing, but they can play stupid. Well, hell, they're not playing on that either. But they can do a very good job in front of an arbitrator. Hey, I didn't know what I was doing. I just put this in. And some arbitrators may buy that shit. They may buy it. What you cannot do is you cannot go nationally and say, hey, look, out of 290,000 carriers, or however many we got, 250,000 were falsified. You cannot say, I didn't know what I was doing. It, it shows a deliberate attempt to falsify nationally. And then you get safeguards in place would be the remedy that we requested. Uh, man, the union is scared of these at the national level because they're saying, hey, there's no mandate to do it. This is something that the Postal Service came up with. This is their baby. So it'd be difficult for us to take it to national arbitration because they'll just come in and say, hey, it's not grievable. Well, first off, we've already grieved it. We got B team decisions all over the country. So you cannot say that it's not grievable. You've already got an arbitration, no matter how shitty it is. So they can't say it's not grievable. It is grievable. Secondly, how do we find out if they falsified the training? On our light blue. So they're putting it in as an official document, right? So they cannot say it's not agreeable. We can't hold you to that. Sure you can because you, you can find it in light blue. You put it in as official training, right? So it is an official document because the carrier can look it up on their own training records, uh, if it was not that, then management would have those as internal documents. We could not look that up on light blue. Uh, but since they have put that on light blue and since they came out when Mr. Gates passed away and said, hey, it's his fault because we offer heat illness prevention training, hip training. Uh, since they did that, they're acknowledging that this is a curriculum, a course that we take for our health and safety. So... I believe we dropped the ball there as far as taking that nationally because you can show definitively widespread falsification, which you cannot in small town USA say, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I thought I was doing it right. I didn't. Uh, and the arbitrator said, well, it doesn't look like there's any intent to falsify, which is absolutely stupid. Uh, but you can take those arguments away from them if you did it nationally because you can show 85% of the carriers didn't receive the training because the training was falsified. Then you can have a better argument as far as management intentionally falsified the training. Now, this pre-arb, and I'll tell you all this, uh, and JB will tell you this as well because it was told to him by our postmaster. We had this case going up in Nashville and JB put the case together, probably the best case in the country. He did that good of a job. And so they come to him, they're wanting to settle it and ask what kind of financial remedy they can, can offer. And uh, she starts talking to JB and she says, hey, how did y'all know about this, 
this training being falsified. And he's like, well, you know, word of mouth. She's like, it's too widespread. It's too widespread. How do y'all know about it? What, where did this come from? And he's like, word of mouth. You know, it's, it's getting around, you know, social media about the falsification of it. This hip falsification. He said, so naturally, we just put in information request and ours was all falsified. And uh, she's like, so it didn't have anything to do with Corey Walton's podcast. <laughs> now, this is the postmaster of the city, right? And he said, oh, well, yeah. He said, yeah. I mean, he's, he's trumpeting this as far as what to do with it. And she says, we don't want it to go to arbitration. You know, we want to settle. So they tried to come up with some kind of monetary figure, and it didn't work out. But she said that area and district and her had listened to the episode and that she didn't want it to go to arbitration. And so what the B team is doing in, in Tennessee, the district, is management is trying to handicap us, chop the legs out from underneath us as far as going to arbitration. They are acknowledging falsification in this district. They're not questioning it. Yes, they falsified the training. So we're going to send this case up in part we acknowledge the falsification, and we're going to order a cease and desist against falsification. Now, remember, that's what we wanted the arbitrator to do. That was why we had the monetary figure on there, is to send that into arbitration so the arbitrator could say, you falsified the training, right? So when the B teams come out, which all of them should have done it, all of the B team should have said you falsified it and let y'all go argue about the monetary remedy, right? Uh, I think that that would have been wise on their part, but they didn't do that. They want to, they want to fight the falsification. Well, here in the Tennessee district, like I said, they say we falsified the training. We did. Uh, we just don't agree to the remedy, all right? So they kind of chopped the legs out from underneath us in the district. Which is fine because we you got the B team decision acknowledging falsification, a cease and desist against falsification, and that's precedent setting for that installation that lasts until the end of time. So that's a win. I see a lot of these people. I remember this uh, on Facebook, somebody talking about the money. And I was like, don't ask for the money because you'll never get the money. Uh, you're asking for something that the B team can't grant or, you know, you're – you're making it difficult for the B. All of that is bullshit. All of that is bullshit when B teams say, don't send it up here because you make it difficult. Nothing makes it difficult on the B team. Because in the remedy, what do you say? The last thing, or whatever, or whatever an arbitrator or the B team deems appropriate. So anytime a B team member says, don't ask for that, it makes it difficult, that's horseshit. Just like in this case, we asked for the money and they said, we agree that we falsified it. We're going to send the remedy up in part. And so a lot of people got hung up on the money. We're going to get rich. We're going to buy a new car. We're going to do whatever. <laughs> uh, it was never about the money. Remember that. Okay. I'm going to break some stuff down to you here. Uh, as far as what we are doing to management, those of us who are still in the game. But I'll read this uh, B-team decision and then the pre-arb and then what this branch president said to me. He was not happy. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it. And then I'll break some numbers down for you, okay? And so here's what it said. 
Here's the B-team decision. Management violated Articles 3, 5, and 14 of the National Agreement and or ELM Chapter 8 and ELM and Handbook EL801 via Article 19 of the National Agreement when they falsified fiscal year 2023 heat injury prevention plan HIP training records. Management will cease and desist these violations and will ensure all disputed training has been completed by letter carriers in this installation in compliance with the above reference contractual provisions as soon as administratively possible, but no later than 14 days from receipt of this decision. Employees who are absent when the training is provided are required to be provided with the training prior to returning to street duties. The TRT also agrees management violated Articles 17 and 31 of the National Agreement when they failed to provide the union with all the information requested pursuant to investigation and processing this grievance. This information will be provided to the union within 10 days of receipt of this decision. It is agreed that all the letter carriers in this installation each receive a one-time lump sum payment of $75 minus standard deductions for the violations cited above. Now that was the addition. That was the pre-arm. So the B-team decision was put on there. And the pre-arb said that all carriers in this installation, all 51 carriers, will receive $75. And so, and then it said it's not citable uh, because you already got a B-team decision, so that language doesn't matter. You got a B-team decision, so that sets precedent. So this pre-arb for the remedy doesn't matter, so you can say it's not citable because you don't need to cite it for anything. You got the B-team decision. And so here's what the president said. My disappointment in this decision is only surpassed by my disappointment in you. He's talking about me. The words you spoke on this matter and the no action you took. We asked for the person that would go into the ocean again. Talking about when I went in there and, and helped that, that man and his daughter. We asked for the person that would go into the ocean again. And we received the person watching from the safe beach. So... He said that I was basically cowardly <laughs> in this decision. He was not happy with it because I said that each care, 51 cares, will receive $75. Management had cut the legs out from underneath us by saying it was falsified, a cease and desist. That's what we wanted an arbitrator to do. We can't get that any longer. You got the shit-ass decision that came out uh, prior to this that was comical at best. And then you also had the arbitrator that we were given, and that's not that's out of our control, who had a 17 and 31 violation prior and said that she would not issue a cease and desist because that was kind of a money grab. So that kind of made us step back a little bit. And so we got $75 per carry, and I guess that they're wanting the more money. I don't know, because we can't take it from an arbitrator because it had already been resolved. Uh, the B team resolved it. Like I said, they, they cut our legs out from underneath us. I want to go over some numbers for you, okay? When This is how I think. And I don't know if anybody else thinks this way, but this is how I think, okay? When I determine what I want to do. Because when a pre-arb, I do what I want to do, okay? And I think about things before I do it. I just don't half-ass it, okay? So I understand this president's angry, and that's every bit his right to be. When you look at the HIP training, it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes online course is what the HIP training is, okay? Now, y'all think about these numbers that I'm fixing to give to you if y'all haven't thought about this before. You got 20 minutes online course, and that's what management falsified. 
And I've said before, I believe it's due to these metrics. I believe it's because they want us out of the office in an hour. And that would have hurt that metric. I do believe that's part of it. But let me tell you the other part of it, okay? If you take the average letter carrier, I top out at 37 So let's say on average $30, okay? So 20 minutes, $30 an hour, that's $10 for the course. That's $10 they would have paid us for the course, all right? $30 an hour, a 20-minute course, so that's a third, so that's $10. So you say you got 290000 I made this easy for myself because I'm not very good at math. You've got 290,000 carriers, and I don't know if that's even close to being right. Say that they falsified 250,000 across this country, which I believe is probably on par with what they've done. 250,000 letter carriers, they falsified the training. What did that save them? It saved them $2,500,000. It saved the Postal Service $2,500,000 for falsifying the HIP training. Right? It's a 20-minute course, $10, 250,000 carriers. That's $2 million $500,000 that they saved. A 20-minute course for 250,000 carriers, that's 83,333 hours. 83,333 hours is what they saved by falsifying that class. So they saved 83,333 hours and $2,500,000 for falsification of the HIP training. Okay? These, these uh, carriers in this installation, 51 of them were given $75. Okay? So take out $10 for the training that they should have done, the Postal Service. Recoup that $10 that they took. That's $65 per carrier for management falsifying the training. Right? That's $65 for management falsifying the training. At $75 per carry, if you did that nationwide, for every carry that they falsified the training, for every carry in this country that they falsified the training, if you had 250,000 carriers that they falsified the training, at $75 per carrier, that's $18 million. $750,000 that they would be forced to pay out because of falsification of that training. Right? They saved $2,500,000. They saved $2,500,000. If we made them pay each carrier $75 for that falsification, it would cost them $18,750,000 for them intentionally falsifying that training. Now, that's a kick in the ass, right? It's not 10000 per carriers, which some of you are thinking you're going to get. Remember, it was never about the money. And I said that in numerous episodes. It was never about the money. The money was the catapult to force this into arbitration so that the arbitrator would say, what? You intentionally falsified the training. Here in this installation, they, they took that away from us. I guess it's because they listened to it. I don't know if it's got, the, you know, but he just, that's what JB told me. So here they're saying that everybody falsified it, taking that argument away from us, taking it in front of the arbitrator 
is, is no longer an option uh, other than to try to get some more money. But just remember that they saved, if it's 250,000 cares, $2,500,000 is what they saved on us in 83,333 hours is what they got. If we hit them with $75 per carrier nationwide, that's 18750000 And that's a kick in the ass. All right? So that president, <clears throat> I told him he could call me and we'd talk about it. He didn't do that. Uh, he still can. I'd be more than happy to talk to him. But there's a reason why I do things, and there's a reason why I don't do things. Um, but, hey, I love every one of y'all. <laughs> Glenn, who doesn't like me, I love him. <laughs> the cat who said I was overrated, I love him. And I especially love this branch president who is passionate enough to reach out to me and basically call me a piece of shit. <laughs> I love you, brother. I do. And I thank you for standing up for your letter carriers. Uh, I heard that it was quite tumultuous <laughs> towards me. And that's okay. That's all right. I'll take that, okay? Uh, but there are a lot of branches, man, who are flat getting it. Who are flat getting it are organizing, they are passionate, they're getting more passionate, and, uh, and that is, is amazing. Because I believe passion breeds passion. Uh, education breeds those that are educated and ready to fight, those warriors. Uh, and that's what this is all about. You have those across the country that have said enough is enough. On both sides, we're going to educate ourselves and we're going to become warriors. They're going to pick up that flag like we talked about way back when. And uh, like Branch 78 from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, those guys have got it going on, right? You know, the, I look at them as part of the NAOC back raising tide of the labor movement, which is what this, which is what is happening. We need many more like that. And we have a lot like that. We have a lot like uh, Branch 78 out of Columbus, Ohio that are, are stepping up, getting educated, and fighting. And uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I promise you that. There's a movement unlike anything we've seen before. It's not because of me. It's because of y'all wanting to get educated. We've got other podcasts out there that, uh, that have started. Here's one. Uh, and somebody reached out to me a while back about just reading the contract. Well, here's the guy's His, uh, his podcast is Classes of Mail. Classes of Mail, and he said that he started a project of reading the entire J-Cam cover to cover. So that's Classes of Mail podcast. Look it up. Give him a follow. Classes of Mail. He's just reading the contract, just reading the J-Cam cover to cover. Uh, I know that um, Kira reached out to me. We were going to do that and still probably will, but this guy's doing it now. Classes of Mail. Y'all give him some love. Had another individual reach out and said, would you please send a shout out to Cole Billups? He said, had a precedent setting formulae settlement today that he unknowingly should get the credit for and got them a lot of money. And that's what this is all about, man. People getting on here trying to educate, doing the best they can. Uh, I know that the upper echelon don't like people getting on here and probably take shots at them. Hey, politically, it's suicide because of Corey Walton. He's a... You know, he's a lightning rod. And if you get on there, it's political suicide. I told you I had one early that got on here, and they, they told him, don't you ever get on there again. And he's like, yes, sir. <laughs> and I ain't seen him since. But, uh, and I know Cole's getting taken, you know, there's some shots being taken at him. 
uh, for being on here. But here's the reason why. Person said, "Hey, give him some love because I've got a precedent setting formula that he's responsible for." And so that's what it's all about, man. People are going to be very angry with y'all for educating yourselves, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard of in my life. But they just will. I had uh, somebody reach out and said, hey, <laughs> somebody was telling a, a bunch of people the other day that Nash, uh, that uh, the Postal Service headquarters had listened to Discord at the thing that we put up, the recording of the rap session is completely completely fucked up collective bargaining because of that recording. <laughs> so in other words, the recording of the rap session where the president was saying absolutely nothing has completely fucked up the contract talks. <laughs> That's what they were saying. Don't believe fools like that. Okay. That's coming from a fool's mouth. Who's ever said that first off, they can't get on discord. Uh, they have a very tight way of, of letting people on discord right and secondly who gives a fuck all that was said is we're talking this is what we're looking at we're talking if y'all don't think that headquarters is aware of that stuff by now or that some secrets were leaked out in these rap sessions y'all are fools and the person who said that is a fool just say that the contract talks ain't going like you'd hoped and don't try to put it off on somebody putting up a recording of the contract of the rap session but anyway, a lot of crazy shit going on right now, and um, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right, man. It always is. had another person send this out, sent this to me, and then I copied it, and so I will uh, read it to you. Some scanner messages. And this is what it says. Eight-hour day carriers will be off at 530. No exceptions. Please don't call me asking what you should do with the mail. You are a mail carrier. No one after 7 p.m. No penalty. All mail delivered. And it comes back. It's 6.38 p.m. Do you know where your house is located? Let's go. No penalty. Then they come back. It's now 7.02 p.m. Do you know where the post office is located? Let's go. Penalty is coming upon you. Uh, so you have a, a supervisor badgering and harassing carriers on the street through the scanner. Uh, first off, how do they know where I'm at? That's because they're watching me. Uh, they're using scanners to track me. <clears throat> that is spying and using covert techniques. The problem is we have people in our own ranks who don't believe that. They don't think that them watching me on a scanner and sitting there sending these messages out is what is spying and using covert techniques. That is the definition of spying and using covert techniques. That's exactly what that is. Now, since our president signed these things into existence, these memos, they think that they can do that now with no repercussion. I would still file on it. First, I'm going to file a 115.4 because you're harassing me while I'm trying to do my job. I understand my reporting requirements on Article 41. I know what my reporting requirements are, and I have a 3996 that will address that. You're not going to continue to badger me on the street through the scanner, period. To me, that's a violation of Section 115.4 of the M39 Handbook, Maintain Mutual Respect. It just is. I also feel like it's a violation of 134 of the M39 Handbook. You're spying on me and using covert techniques. Uh, you're going to do that in above board manner. Sending these messages out all the time, doing this shit, to me is a violation of that. And I would give that a run. 
I just would. I, I'm so sick and tired of these fucking stupid ass postmasters and supervisors doing this shit with these scanners to my people. It's all the fucking time. They don't do a damn thing all day. After their first two hours is done, they don't do shit for the rest of the day. <clears throat> They're the laziest fucks in the postal service. Uh, and they sit and look at a computer screen all day, badgering the shit out of us. Just badgering the hell out of us. So I'd grieve that. I'd grieve that. And uh, see if we can get them to stop doing that. I'll do an episode on that. And I'll try to get as much information as I can on scanner messages, what they can send out on scanner messages, what they cannot, maybe some sites. I'll do that. I might do that next week. And, and we'll try to put a halt to all this crazy-ass bullshit they're sending out on these scanners, all right? And so I'll do that next week. I got a lot of other stuff I've got to do, but that's one thing I'll do. All right, I'm going to get into this. This is going to be the long part of my episode, all this reading. And this is where management is coming in, and they're telling you to curtail mail on your route, forcing you into an undertime status. Forcing your route into undertime by telling you to curtail mail so that you can do a pivot off of another route in undertime. I, I believe this is old here. This is back in 09. But all these things kind of come around, right? And the CD Palm I was telling you about and, and these, all these metrics and everything trying to save money at the, uh, on the backs of us. I believe this is just another thing. But this person sent me this, and it's very good. I'll just read you part of these B-team decisions and then the arbitrator's decisions. Now, all of this will be up on from 8arbitration.com. And so you can get on there and download every bit of this and uh, make you an issue. You'll, you'll have the issues in the uh, arbitration sites and also the B-team decisions uh, and a remedy request, and you'll have the contractual language. So if anybody's having that going on across this country where supervision is coming in, they're saying, hey, Curtail all your third class, all your bulk rate, and you're going to take this takeoff in under time. Let's grieve that and get them to stop that, okay? I think that hurts us as far as REIT because uh, the REIT teams right now are a fucking disaster for us. I know especially in this installation, we're getting absolutely screwed over by, by these route adjustment processes, you know. And my branch president is raising nine kinds of hell to no avail. Uh, nobody's listening to her. They're not doing care consultations, nothing. And just ramming down these damn uh, route inspections on us. No help from regional, no help from district. Uh, they just turned their back on this installation here. And so anything we can do to help ourselves like this, because I don't want to have somebody go in there and say, well, they're forcing me into undertime. Well, these numbers show this, so you're getting an hour added on to you. Well, they're forcing me into undertime. Well, I know it, but we're going to add this hour anyway. You know, because we're getting too lax and too lazy on our side on these REIT teams. So I'm going to read these decisions, and then I'll be done with it, okay? And all these will be put up, like I said, on FromAidArbitration.com, all right? And here's the issue. This is a B-team decision. It's from 08. Did management violate Article 41 of the National Agreement by ordering letter carriers to curtail third-class mail on their full-time duty assignments to create an undertime so that they could be assigned to perform work on other assignments that were anticipated to be vacant. Okay? Decision resolved. The DRT has resolved this grievance. Previous grievances have been resolved 
by this DRT with cease and desist and monetary awards being applied as remedies. The Connecticut DRT has set precedence for the Hartford Post Office in its decision case. Management shall comply with the previous decision and, in addition, pay all affected carriers in this installation $20 per carrier in order to ensure future compliance. The union will be afforded the copies of the adjustments within 14 days to see this decision. Here's the explanation. The union contends that management scheduled the unit to have vacant assignments on the day in question so that those assignments could be worked on undertime. The union contends that on May 27, 2008, management ordered the following carriers to curtail third-class mail on their own routes to create undertime and then assign them to work on other routes. And it's got the carriers listed. The union contends that it is a violation of 41104 of the national agreement to curtail mail on a carrier's assignment in order to require the carrier to have undertime for an order to pivot on another route. The union contends that there was sufficient work on the above listed carrier's own assignments to provide them eight hours work that day. The union contends that no unanticipated circumstance existed. The union contends that the following national and regional awards support the contentions of the union. And it's got all of these M's on here, so make sure you pull these up. M775, M105, M73, M1292, C3001, C8309, C3633, C23458, and C01, and it's got national level grievance there. The incontents that the only appropriate remedy in this grievance is to pay each of the carriers that were forced to curtail mail on his or her assignment to perform work on another assignment. This pay should be at the time and one half rate, and this is a make whole remedy. Management contends the POM section 645.1. Now get these and read them because you're probably going to have these same arguments from management when they when they come to the table. Formal A's. I doubt informal is going to do anything for management. They're just doing what they're told. Management to the formal will probably have these same contentions, okay? So be ready for them. The POM section 645.1 states in part that non-preferential may be curtailed when the delivery time standard on vacant route and or the route of the carrier is being pivoted. Pivoting is not limited to period when mail volume is light. This alone shows mail might be curtailed during pivoting. Management contends the carriers who pivoted on other routes did curtail standard day mail, but minimal amounts. This mail was worked the next business day. Management contends it has the right to pivot routes based on undertime, either due to light volume or manufactured by the curtailing of non-preferential mail. Now, that's exactly what they're doing here. They're manufacturing undertime. And they're saying here that they have the right to do so. Management contends that if it feels that it's more efficient to curtail non-preferential mail, creating undertime and pivot routes, Article 3 gives it the right to do so. Management contends the B-team ruled on this grievance for Shield Street, which is another station in the Hartford Post Office, and unions attempted to gain a different decision on the same situation by grieving in a different station. Management contends that in order to make its budget, it has scheduled routes to be open, knowing that volume is so low that all carriers do not have eight hours of work. By keeping a route open, it is making work for carriers who do not have eight hours of work.
The amount curtailed on the routes listed shows the carriers had sufficient time to pivot on the other route and case the mail on their own route. The carriers listed did not perform to standard on this day. Now that's a whole new ball of wax. They said the carriers listed did not perform to standard on this day. Where's the, where's the mail count, the official mail count? And where were they allowed to verify that count? Right, so when they come out, formal A's, be ready for that argument. The carrier's list did not perform the standard on this day. We were going to request at that formal A meeting, let me see all the 1838 C's you did on that day, as well as did any of the carriers ask to verify the count. And then I'm going to call the carriers and ask, did they count your mail by piece? I'm going to call them at the formal A meeting and get that on the record. All right, just in case this goes to arbitration, right? Article 41.1C4, the National Agreement reads, The successful bidder shall work the duty assignment as posted. Unanticipated circumstances may require a temporary change in assignment. This same rule shall apply to carrier technician assignments unless the local agreement provides otherwise. This is very clear language. Letter carriers who bid and are awarded routes are to work those routes as they were posted except under the narrow circumstances of unexpected nature. Letter carrier routes are set up with specific office and street duties that deal with the specific addresses that are contained within their routes. By instructing a carrier to curtail available mail in order to shorten their time spent on their own route so that they can spend time within their normal eight-hour tour on another route, circumvents and violates the language of Article 41.1c4. Arbitrators have already ruled on this issue. Arbitrator Jerome Ross wrote in a decision dated June 21, 2002, and that C23458, C23458, moreover, management forced carriers to pivot where there was an indication that the work on their own routes was light. Such use of pivoting violated the Article 41.1c4 requirement that carrier work their bid assignment unless anticipated circumstances arise and present a need for their temporary change in assignment. The position of the union that this was improper was sustained by the arbitrator. Based on a thorough view of the entire case file, the Step B team has determined that management violated Articles 41, 1C4, and it was O at the beginning, which obviously is wrong, of the National Agreement. There is indication in the file that this has occurred before the Hartford offices Therefore, the proper remedy is listed above. And so there's you a great decision. It's got your contractual language. It's got your issue. Uh, it has uh, management's arguments, which is probably going to be regurgitated on y'all in the formal A meeting. And so be ready for those. It has your contractual language. That's a great start. Here's another one. This is from 08 as well. Did management violate Article 41? The National Green by ordering letter carriers to curtail third-class mail on their full-duty ass assignments to create undertime so that they could be assigned to perform work on other assignments that were anticipated to be vacant. Uh, and it gave the $20. Now, this is a different case, but the same issue, and it's out of the same thing. It's got the same contentions. Management's contentions are the exact same. And so that'll be in there as well. Here's one from 07. Did management violate Articles 3, 7, 34, and 41 of the National Agreement when the agreement was ordered to curtail and delay mail on her full-time duty assignment 
and case mail on a route the service knew in advance would be vacant. Decision. The dispute resolution team has resolved this grievance. Management is directed to abide by the terms of Article 41 of the National Agreement and ensure that in the future they do not instruct carriers to curtail mail on their own assignments to create undertime to then assign them to work on another route except under unanticipated circumstances. Explanation. The time limits are extended. The agreement has medical restrictions to work only eight hours per day. The agreement was instructed to curtail and delay mail on her own assignment and instructed to case mail on Route 1447, a vacant assignment. The agreement uh, via PS Form 1571 notified management of distributed mail for delivery that was left in the office and was approved. So make sure that you're filling out 1571 so those can be put in your case file. All right? And make sure management is acknowledging that by signing it and getting a copy of the 1571. That's going to be big for us in the case file. The workload status report confirms the curtailed mail. The agreement worked eight hours on 9-7. There was no projected undertime on Route 1414, but had projected overtime. There was not insufficient work on this particular day for the agreement's own scheduled assignment under Article 7-2B. As mandated in Article 41-1C-4, the successful bidder shall work the duty assignment as posted. 10. Carriers on the OTDO are not working up until the last dispatch of value due to a 5 o'clock window of operation, which I hate any window of operation. I think that we should have never agreed to any of those in any station in the country. The union contends that there was no indication that the work on the grievance assignment was light. In fact, management's own DOAS projections even showed that the grievance route showed overtime. The union contends that curtailing and pivoting is being improperly used to balance workloads or overtime. The union contends that management's action in this case have created artificial undertime, resulting from carriers curtailing their own third-class mail and pivoting on another route. The union contends that management scheduled the unit to have vacant assignments on the day in question so that those assignments could be pivoted on undertime in accordance with a district mandate to pivot 10% of routes. C.D. Palm, y'all remember that? The unit contends that pivoting must be limited to unanticipated circumstances as dictated by Article 41 of the National Agreement. The unit contends that on 9-7, management ordered the agreement to curtail mail on her own assignment to create undertime, then assigned her to work on another assignment was scheduled to be vacant. The union contends that it is a violation of Article 411C4 of the National Agreement to curtail mail on a carrier's assignment in order to require the carrier to work under time for pivoting. The union contends there was sufficient work on the grievance on assignment to provide her at least eight hours' work that day. The union contends that no unanticipated circumstances existed. The union contends that the following national and regional awards support the contentions of the union. Again, we're going to read them, so in case y'all didn't write them down the first time, M775, M105, M73, M1292, C, which is arbitration, C3001, C8309, C3633, C23458, and CO1N4C, and the number there, I'm not going to read that, as well as previous decisions from this office. Management contends 
that they have the right to assign personnel as it sees fit to direct employees in the performance of official duties. Management tends that it has the right per Article 3D to determine the method, means, and personnel by which such operations are to be conducted. Management contends that they have the right to curtail mail in order to meet service obligations and time windows and to maintain the efficiency of the operations entrusted to it according to Article 3 of the National Agreement. Management contends that they did not cause any unnecessary duress to the agreement by having her case on another route. Article 411C4 of the National Agreement reads, 4. The successful bidder shall work the duty assignment as posted. Unanticipated circumstances may require a temporary change in assignment. This same rule shall apply to care technician assignments unless the local agreement provides otherwise. This is very clear language. Letter carriers who bid and are awarded assignments are to work those routes as they were posted except under the narrow circumstance of an unexpected nature. Letter carriers routes are set up with specific office and street duties that deal with with the specific addresses that are contained within their routes. By instructing a carrier to curtail available mail in order to shorten their time spent on their own route so that they can spend time within their normal eight-hour tour on another route circumvents and violates the language of Article 41.1c4. Arbitrators have already ruled on this issue. Arbitrator Jerome Ross wrote in a date in the decision dated June 21, 2002, that C23458, and I read that earlier, but I read it again. Moreover, management forced carriers to pivot when there was no indication that the work on their own routes was light. Such use of pivoting violated the Article 411C4 requirement that carrier work their bid assignment unless anticipated circumstances arise and present a need for their temporary change in assignment. The position of the union that this was improper was sustained by the arbitrator. Based on the thorough review of the entire case file, the Step B team has determined that there is no insufficient evidence in the case file to indicate that the assignment in question was planned, that there was no unanticipated circumstances on the day in question, or that such assignment was in accordance with any particular directive from the district. However, the team agrees that if there were no unanticipated circumstances on the day in question, then said assignment would have been improper and would have been a violation of Article 411C4 of the National Agreement. There's no indication in the file that this has occurred before this office before. So there's that one. And now we got some arbitrator's decisions. This is from Eileen Cincy. This is from Hartford, Connecticut. From 2008, award summary. The grievance is sustained. Management violated Article 41 of the National Agreement by ordering letter carriers to curtail third-class mail on their full-time duty assignments to create undertime so that they could be assigned to perform work on another assignments that were unanticipated to that were anticipated to be vacant. Prior B-team decisions in favor of the union have precedential value at the Hartford installation and should have been followed. Management of the Hartford installation is ordered to cease and desist from the practice of requiring carriers to curtail mail in order to create undertime on a carrier's duty assignment and then assigning the carrier to pivot on another route. Uh, then it talks about the carrier to be paid. Issue. The parties agree the following issue, which was taken from the Step B decision. Did management violate Article 41 of the National Agreement by ordering letter carriers to curtail third-class mail on their full-time duty assignments to create undertime? so that they could be assigned to perform work on another assignment that were anticipated to be vacant, if so was the appropriate remedy. 
I'll read you management's position. Well, there's the union's position. I'm not going to read that. Here's management's position. The service argues that it has the right to curtail non-preferential mail in order to create undertime so that a carrier can pivot on another route. Section 645.1 of the POOM specifically permits the practice. In addition, Section 111.2 of the M39 Handbook requires the delivery service manager to determine the most economical method of delivery and to level the workload of carriers. Y'all pay attention to these arguments because you're going to see them at the Formal A probably because they just regurgitate the same shit, like I said. In this case, delivery was accomplished in the most economical manner by curtailing non-preferential mail, which can be delivered at any time within a period of several days. All carriers were able to complete their deliveries within eight hours and no overtime had to be paid. It's all about money. <laughs> it will always be about money with these sorry low-down bastards. Carrier Hill's bid assignment was not altered since no other carrier cased or delivered the mail that was curtailed on his route. The service argues that previous B-team decisions from the Hartford installation that were decided in favor of the union are not binding on the arbitrator. Hmm. There have been conflicting B-team precedents on this issue. In a case decided on May 9, 2007, the B-team determined that there was no merit to the union's claim that a B-team that heard this case reached impasse. B-team decisions from installations other than Hartford and B-team decisions that post-date the grievance in this case should not be included in the record. There have also been conflicting arbitration decisions on this issue. There is no consensus and the arbitrator is free to reach a conclusion on the merits based upon their interpretation of the relevant contract and manual provisions. Based upon the contract language and the language of applicable handbooks and manuals, the service acted within its authority and, not, and no violation occurred. The grievance should be denied in its entirety. Here's the arbitrator's discussion. Article 411C4 provides that carriers will work their duty assignment as posted unless there are unanticipated circumstances that require a temporary change in assignment. At the same time, management has the right on Article 3, the M39 Handbook, and the POOM to direct its operations in the most efficient and economical manner to curtail non-preferential mail within delivery standards when necessary and to utilize the undertime of carriers to pivot on other routes. The parties recognize that a carrier holding a bid assignment may be assigned to pivot on another route if the workload on his bid assignment is light and that management can curtail non-preferential mail in order to avoid overtime. However, the question of whether management can curtail non-preferential mail in order to create undertime on a carrier's duty assignment and assign that carrier to pivot on another route is a contentious issue that has been addressed by arbitrators throughout the country with mixed results. My review of the arbitration decision submitted by the parties reveals that arbitrators who have addressed the issue have reached divergent interpretations of the contract. Some have concluded that, except in unanticipated circumstances, Article 41 gives carriers with duty assignments the right to deliver their assignment route as long as there is enough mail of any kind, including non-preferential mail, to fill an eight-hour assignment. It follows from this perspective that third-class mail cannot be curtailed so that a carrier who would be otherwise have eight hours of work on his bid assignment, can be assigned to help out on another route. Other arbitrators find no violation of Article 41 where non-preferential mail is curtailed to create undertime, allowing a carrier with a bid assignment to pivot on another route. 
These arbitrators believe that the creation of undertime by curtailing mail is within management's authority to level workload among carriers and arrange for the most efficient and economical mail delivery. And they generally do not consider pivoting on another route to be a temporary change of assignment under Article 41.1c4. It is unnecessary for me to decide which interpretation of Article 41.1c4 I find more persuasive because the case before me is not one of first impression in Kinetic or the Hartford installation. There were two Step B decisions in favor of the union at the Hartford installation prior to the Step B hearing in the current case. Each of the previous cases involved management's decision to curtail mail in order to create undertime on a bid assignment. On Article 15 of the JCAM, Step B decisions are considered precedent in the installation from which the grievance arose and are relied upon in dealing with subsequent similar cases to avoid the repetition of disputes on similar issues that have previously been decided in the installation. If, therefore, the previous Step B decisions are applicable to the facts of this case, those decisions have precedential value and will control the outcome. The parties have stipulated in this case that there were no unanticipated circumstances that would have justified a temporary change of assignment for Cary Hill on August 24th of 2007. Management has also conceded that Cary Hill was instructed to complete a Form 1571 and curtail non-preferential mail on August 24th, 2007. The only remaining issue is whether the curtailment of the mail created undertime on a route that would otherwise have had enough work to occupy the carrier for a full eight hours. Management argued below that the direction to the agreement to curtail mail on Route 737 did not create undertime since there was already undertime on the route on August 24th and the carrier could have done the pivot without curtailing mail if he had not intentionally slowed down. It's always our fault. It's always our fault in arbitration, folks. Just like the B-team decision, what they say? They didn't make standard. They didn't make standard that. That's the reason that all this happened was because the carriers didn't make standard. What are they saying here? They would have done it if he didn't intentionally slow down. So they're going to tell us to curtail, to pivot, and then when it comes time for the shit to hit the fan, what they do? They will always blame us. That's how dishonest and low down these son of a bitches are, man. You did it. You're going to blame me for it. And I've seen it throughout my entire career. She says, no evidence supports that contention, however. <laughs> good for her. And good for us. Probably saying the same thing. There's no documentation showing that they did any kind of efficiency count. So how are you going to say intentionally slowed down? So she says, no evidence supports that contention, however. The only evidence of undertime on Route 737 on August 24th came from a flawed and inaccurate work hour workload report. Here we go. Since that report was based on, in part, a volume report that inaccurately showed no case letters, it is reasonable to assume that both reports understated the office time for Route 737 on August 24th and showed undertime that did not exist. So they're not putting in our numbers correctly. This is back in 07. The shit hadn't changed. They're still not putting in our numbers correctly. The union has proven by preponderance of the evidence that the instruction to carry Hill to curtail non-preferential mail on Route 737 on August 24 created undertime on his bid assignment and that the carrier was then instructed to utilize that undertime to pivot on another route. Previous Step B decisions at the Hartford installation stated unequivocally that management violated Article 41 of the National Agreement 
by engaging in this practice and ordered management to cease and desist. The second of these step B decisions also ordered a monetary remedy because the management failed to comply with the first decision. Since this is the second time management has failed to abide by a step B decision from the Hartford installation that was on point and resolved this issue in the union's favor, the union's remedy requested is warranted and will be granted. Management of the Hartford installation is ordered to cease and assist from the practice of requiring carriers to curtail mail in order to create undertime on a carrier's duty assignment and then assigning the carrier to pivot on another route. Carrier heels to be paid at the overtime rate for all time spent on August 24th working on another assignment. And it says that he's uh, since retired, so it may be hard for them to pay him. Here's another one uh, from arbitrator Coleman Laka. It's C25392, 25392. And again, if you get on from aidarbitration.com, all of the, all, this whole packet will be on there for you. You can download the whole thing, copy and paste all of the arguments from the B teams. Uh, just make sure you sound like they, you're making them your own, okay? And make sure you take out the names of the people. But so do that. This is uh, from 2004. Award summary, the Postal Service ordered carriers to curtail third-class mail on their duty assignments and pivot onto vacant routes. The vacancies were not unanticipated. The grievance is sustained. The Postal Service shall cease and desist the practice, and all affected carriers shall receive one hour of pay at the overtime rate for each day they are forced to work off their duty assignment. Issue, did the Postal Service violate the party's labor agreement by ordering letter carriers to curtail third-class mail on their duty assignments and carry first-class mail on the routes the Postal Service knew in advance would be vacant? If so, what is the remedy? They got Article 3, uh, Article 41, which is the language that we've been talking about. Discussion. This is a representative case involving more than 150 grievances. Holy shit. The facts of this representative case are straightforward. On four days over a two-week period at the Manhattan Postal Center of the Toledo, Ohio Post Office, August 2, 3, 9, and 10, 2002, numerous letter carriers were ordered to curtail third-class mail on their assigned routes and carry first-class mail on vacant routes. The vacancies were due to, for example, the regular carrier's scheduled day off uh, on an odd route with no assigned floater, that is, the routes were not vacant due to unanticipated circumstances. Management was aware in advance the routes would be vacant and used curtailing and pivoting as part of its work plan to cover the vacant routes. Management contends the curtailing of third-class mail as a work-leveling device has been an ongoing practice at the Postal Service for at least the last 30 years. So management's going to come in there trying to claim a past practice of sorts, saying, hey, we've done this for 30 years now. Moreover, management continues, Article 3 expressly grants it the right to direct the workforce, and the Postal Operations Manual, POM 617.2, specifically provides for the curtailing of third-class mail and pivoting. So this is from 2002. You see all the way up into 2007, 8, 9, using the same language. Like I said, they were regurgitate the same language, okay? So just be ready for that. At the informal, if they have any contentions whatsoever, and the formal, where they're going to make up their case. <clears throat> or like this installation, they won't say anything at the informal formal and sandbag their entire position to the B team, who will then make every one of these arguments. So just be ready for them. So the POM, 6 POM, Postal Operations Manual, POM, 
617.2 specifically provides for the curtailing of third-class mail and pivoting. While Article 3 does grant management the right to direct the workforce, in doing so, management is subject to all other provisions of the party's labor agreement. Article 41 provides the procedure for posting bids for bidding and further provides that the successful bidder shall work the duty assignment as posted. An exception to working the duty assignment is made for unanticipated circumstances. The party's labor agreement does not define unanticipated circumstances. However, the parties jointly submitted a dictionary defining as not unanticipated, unexpected, or unforeseen. In this matter, no unanticipated circumstances exist, and it follows the exception provided in Article 41 is not applicable. The poem 617.2, which is incorporated in the party's labor agreement through Article 19, does, as argued by Madge, provide for curtailing of third-class mail and pivoting as a method of utilizing undertime of one or more carriers and as a work-leveling device. The poem goes on to provide, however, the pivoting is to perform duties on a temporarily vacant route or to cover absences. This exception is outside the scope of the factual situation herein. The routes in the within matter were not temporarily vacant, but vacant as a result of carriers not being assigned to cover the routes on scheduled days off. Additionally, on July 28, 1997, the parties reached a step four settlement regarding POM 617.2 as follows. The issue in this grievance is whether management violated the national agreement when it utilized routers and undertime basis to perform delivery duties. The parties agreed that application of 617.2 pivoting of the Postal Operations Manual, the POM, does not change the provisions of Article 41, Section 1C4 of the national agreement. Routers must be kept on their bid assignment and not moved off the duties in the bid description unless there is an undertime situation or in an unanticipated circumstances. While the underlying factual situations leading to the Step 4 settlement dealt with routers, the agreement did provide that POM 617.2 does not alter Article 41.1c4. That's fantastic language from this arbitrator. So she's saying that Article 41 trumps that of the poem. She says it doesn't alter that of Article 41. All right, so when they're arguing this poem section, make sure we get that step four, get this decision, and we'll counter their argument with this, okay? They can argue poem 617-2, Madam Arbitrator, but look, here's this step four, which says that that does not alter Article 41-1C4. And that's what she's saying. The operations section in within, within matter. Moreover, there is nothing in the record to lead the arbitrator to believe the parties when entering into step four settlement ever intended to keep routers under the protection of Article 41.1c4 while stripping carriers of that same protection. The Postal Service relied heavily on the arbitration award of United States Postal Service and National Associ Association of Letter Carriers, Jensen, 1973, and make sure that we get these decisions that they cite in here and read them. The ones that management produces, get them and read them. Okay, familiarize yourself with why the arbitrator ruled against us. Now, she's fixing to dissect this one here. But get them and read them. Why did the arbitrator rule against us? And make sure we don't land in that same trap, okay? Which identified throughout the arbitration hearing and in its post-hearing brief as a national award. Subsequently, however, the parties jointly submitted a letter wherein they stated that Jensen Award was regional, 
not national. Now, I've caught management numerous times attempting to tell arbitrators that grievances were national from the national level. Now, that's devastating to us because those are binding to arbitrators. Regional arbitrators must follow the directives of national arbitrators, okay? It's not the other way around. If a national arbitrator rules on something, that becomes contractual language, just as important. Regional arbitrators are bound by national arbitrators' decisions, okay? That's why arbitrators Snow in the joint statement case. They're bound to that. so important to us, that uh, landmark decision. So if Madison is attempting to say that the arbitrators are national, make sure you're doing your homework, either at the formal A if they try to introduce that, or advocates. Make sure that we know how to decipher that, determine that. But they said, subsequently, however, the parties jointly submitted a letter wherein they stated the Jensen Award was regional, not national. The Jensen Award held that the curtailment of third-class mail has always been used as a work-leveling device. However, the award did not address the situation of curtailing and pivoting to extend it to it can be considered to have changed a carrier's duty assignment. Following the Jensen Award, the parties in 1976 reached the following step four settlement. Having reviewed the evidence in this grievance file, we find that under the unique circumstances set forth, the T6 carrier's route assignment was not temporarily changed due to unanticipated circumstances. This is not to be interpreted as implying that a T6 carrier cannot be temporarily scheduled from one route to another within his string when a carrier is called in on his off day to carry his normal route and the T6 carrier is moved to another route to cover an absence. Local management must have a rationale. Local management must have a rational basis for determining the unusual circumstances exist before moving a T6 carrier from his normal route. Thus, almost 30 years ago, in 1976, the parties agreed legitimate, unusual circumstances must exist before moving a T6 carrier off his or her duty assignment. In addition to the Jensen Award, other regional awards were submitted by the parties in United States Postal Service and National Association of Letter Carriers. Dennis, 1996, a case resulted from one carrier curtailing and pivoting for one half hour. The arbitrator held the Postal Service has a right to curtail third-class mail in order to pivot a letter carrier to save overtime and deliver preferential mail on time. In dicta, later in the arbitration award, arbitrator Dennis O'Pine, the supervisor of mails has an obligation to respect the integrity of a carrier's bid assignment and to schedule the work in such a way so that an employee can plan on performing his bid assignment each day in the manner that it is established. On occasion, it is understood that all employees may have to deviate in one way or another from established routines in order to get the mail delivered on time. The supervisor in charge, however, should not be allowed to work pivoting of regularly assigned carriers into his or her management plan for avoiding overtime pay or equalizing carriers on a permanent long-term basis. Carriers have a right to expect that they will be allowed to work their bid assignment as designated. In United States Postal Service and National Association of Letter Carriers, Britain, 2001, a matter involving a router given street duties, even though he had eight hours of work on his duty assignment, unanticipated circumstances had not been established, and there were overtime desireless carriers who were not maximized, arbitrator Britain held. While the router position may not be automatic, it nevertheless differs from that of a PTF or casual. A router cannot be removed from his job and placed on the street unless unanticipated circumstances 
are found to exist. Finally, United States Postal Service and National Association of Letter Carriers, Ross, 2002, and I'm going to read that one in just a second, a case arising in the Toledo, Ohio Post Office with the same factual circumstances as this representative grievance, Arbitrator Ross held management improperly used pivoting to plan around anticipated circumstances and force carriers to pivot when there was no indication that the work on their own routes was light. The grievance is sustained. Management shall cease and desist from this practice. All affected carriers shall receive one hour of pay at the overtime rate for each day they were forced off their bid assignment during the period at issue. In spite of the cease and desist order and the Ross Award, Larry Ramsey, NELC branch president, testified the curtailing and pivoted has continued as further evidenced by this matter being a representative case for over 150 grievances. Article 411C44 is clear and provides carriers shall work their duty assignments as posted and unless unanticipated circumstances exist, they require a temporary change. Under the evidence of record in the within matter, this arbitrator is convinced management was using curtailing and pivoting as part of an ongoing management plan of filling anticipated vacancies with carriers ordered to curtail mail on their duty assignments and pivot onto the vacant routes. Based upon the foregoing, this arbitrator finds a violation of the party's collective bargaining agreement and the grievance is sustained. The remedy granted in the Ross Award is carried forward. The Postal Sheriff shall cease and assist the practice of ordering carriers to curtail third-class mail on their duty assignments and pivot onto vacant routes in the absence of unanticipated circumstances requiring a temporary change in assignment as provided in Article 411C4. Additionally, all affected carriers shall receive one hour of pay at the overtime rate for each day they are forced off their duty assignment. Now, that's a hefty award because that encompassed 150. That was a representative case, which means whatever the decision there is going to apply to all 150 cases waiting. Okay, so that remedy is the same one going to be given to all 150 cases. So management lost their ass on that one. And that's always a good thing. Here's the last decision, and I've got just another thing to read. I'll be done with it today, okay? And this is the Ross one that you heard in the B-team decisions. It's C23458. C23458. Again, all this stuff is going to be, the entire packet is going to be on from arbitration.com. So get on there and copy it if you're having to deal with this. Award summary management properly used pivoting to plan around anticipated circumstances and force carriers to pivot when there is no indication that the work on their own assignments was light. The grievance of sustained management shall cease and desist from this practice. All affected carriers shall receive one hour of pay at the overtime rate for each day they were forced off their bid assignment during the period at issue. Right, he goes over all the days that it were mail was curtailed. Then it has in here an email dated February 2002 from the Toledo Postmaster to Station Manager states in part, the purpose of the 2.30 pivoting telecon daily is to find out how many hours under base you are pivoting for the next day. Due to the current financial crisis and case volume 17% below SPLY, which is the same point last year, SPLY, uh, YTD year to date, there will be no route allowed to be over eight hours. We will expect all routes to take a 10-minute bundle every day except for light days when they will need to take a 20-minute bundle. So here's a fool-ass postmaster coming out saying, 
due to the financial crisis, which they will always say, now this is back in 2002, right? Is that what this is? 2002, here's a dumbass postmaster sending out a telecom. Due to the financial crisis and case volume 17%, same point last year, we're going to we're gonna uh, disregard the contract, right? That's how they always do it. Now, the service position, I'm not going to read the union position. Service position, the service argues that management actions were taken pursuant to its retained rights to direct employees and maintain efficient operations. It also cites the contractual principle of fair day's work for a fair day's pay. The service maintains that the postmaster's email is not relevant because the carriers did not pivot every workday during the period at issue. It points out that the only route that was curtailed daily was Route 27, which was significantly under eight hours. The service further observes that workload status reports, which contain the information for the days in question, are final reports, which are created during pull-down or after the carriers have left for the street, and as a result, the curtailment data could include mail with the color-coded dates and in-home dates or mail received after the dispatch of value. It emphasizes that a pivot bundle is used to meet a carrier's eight-hour day in accordance with the above-cited contract and handbook provisions. The service further points out that Station A's mail volume is down from this same point last year, SPLY. It also asserts that the union has not met the burden of proving a contract violation because the evidence does not include all the work days during the period at issue and all the clock rings for the work days addressed during the hearing. In this regard, the service explains it is altogether possible that carriers took leave or worked another route not reflected on the summary sheets and thus worked eight hours. In sum, the service observes that different carriers pivoted on different days and a carrier rarely pivoted on a Tuesday. Now here's this discussion and findings. Although the record does not contain an official postal service issuance defining the term pivoting, an arbitration decision submitted by the service cites the following postal operations manual, POM, 617-2, that's been in everything that I've read to you. Every B-team decision, every arbitration decision, management's going to rely on the POOM 617-2. So make sure you get that uh, step four I was talking about earlier where they said that that does not counteract 411-1C4. Employee undertime utilization pivoting. Here's the POOM. 11. Pivoting is a method of utilizing the undertime of one or several carriers to perform duties on a temporarily vacant route or to cover absences. Non-preferential mail may be curtailed within delivery time standards on the vacant route or on the routes of the carriers being pivoted. 12. Pivoting is not limited to periods when mail volume is light and when absences are high but can be utilized throughout the year for maintaining balanced carrier workloads. These POOM provisions set forth two prerequisites for the use of pivoting, the undertime of one or several carriers and or a temporarily vacant route or to cover absences. With regard to the first prerequisite, arbitrable authority recognized the element of undertime in connection with pivoting. There seems to be no question about the Postal Service's right to make an assignment to a letter carrier in addition to work on his own route if... Work on his own route is light. And that's a Jensen arm, he cites. Article 411C4 amplifies the second prerequisite by limiting pivoting to unanticipated circumstances. And that's where we're going to hang our hat. 
under which a carrier may be required to temporarily change his or her bid assignment. Arbitral guidance establishes the test for unanticipated circumstances as whether the occasion constitutes an anticipatory event and therefore one which supervisors should be able to plan around. And he's got an arbitration from Britain. The purpose of this test is to maintain the integrity of a carrier's bid assignment so that an employee can plan on performing his bid assignment each day. The supervisor in charge should not be allowed to work pivoting of regularly assigned carriers into his or her management plan for avoiding overtime pay or equalizing carriers on a permanent long-term basis. And that's the dentist arm. The evidence clearly demonstrates that management regularly use pivoting to plan around anticipated circumstances. Moreover, management forced carriers to pivot when there was no indication that the work on their own routes was light. Such use of pivoting violated the Article 411c4 requirement that carriers work their bid assignment unless unanticipated circumstances arise and, a present and, and present a need for their temporary change in assignment. Even without considering the postmaster's email directive, which refers to a daily 230 pivoting telecon, there is no doubt that the station A manager used pivoting to address what she termed a financial crisis in the Postal Service and a significantly reduced mail volume for the entire fiscal year. I find that management's efforts to solicit volunteers prior to forcing carriers to pivot do not shield it from the Article 41 violations. I'll read that again. I find that management's efforts to solicit volunteers prior to forcing carriers to pivot do not shield it from the Article 41 violations. Consistent with the above findings, it is reasonable to credit the hearsay testimony of the Station A shop steward that carriers volunteer because they know that they will have to pivot one way or another. Management's actions soliciting volunteers are properly viewed as an adjunct to its policy of using pivoting as a method for equalizing carriers' work time on a permanent long-term basis. Award, the grievance is sustained. Station A management shall cease and desist from using pivoting to plan around anticipated circumstances and forcing carriers to pivot when there is no indication that that work on their own route is light. Uh, the grievance is remanded to the parties to determine the affected carriers so she'll receive one hour of pay at the overtime rate for each day they are forced off, including volunteers, their bid assignment during the period at issue. And so there's the arbitration sites, okay? Now in here is uh, something from the business agent, and he addresses this. And this is very good, and I wish all business agents would do this. I always talk about this to, to get your regions ready for shit. And he says the uh, pivoting plans, this is from 2007, pivoting plans. The attached director from the district manager of the Northern Virginia District should be reviewed by all very carefully. It details numerous actions to be taken by USPS management relating to pivoting routes in that particular district. I anticipate all districts in Region 13 and probably across the whole country may be attempting similar things now or very soon. USPS is attempting to use mail volume decline forecasts to project specific amounts of undertime which they think may be experienced by routes. To capture this projected undertime, they will be attempting to maximize pivoting and minimize work hours. Some of what they may be attempting would be violations of the contract. I'd anticipate the predominant types of violations would be, one, working people off their routes and or altering routes in violation of 411c4. 
see, read, and use the enclosed arbitration decisions to fully understand and argue 411C4 in this type of situation and grievance. Put copies of this ARB decision in such appealed grievances. That's a beautiful job by the NBA. That is a fantastic job by this NBA right here. He's saying, hey, this is what we're fixing to anticipate, probably nationwide. But I'm going to send you these arbitration decisions. If this is happening with you, put these decisions in your case file. That's a fantastic job by the NBA. And he's telling you there's 411C4. If you're a new steward, 411C4 is where you're going so that you don't have to get on social media and ask. I'm telling you right here, as your national business agent, if you're a new steward, it's 411C4. Even me, been doing it for uh, 19 years now. 411C4, okay? Uh, two, overtime violations by forcing non-ODL carriers to pivot and running them into overtime, either on their own route or on the route held by someone else. See articles 85C2A, 85G, Work Assignment Overtime Memorandum, and Article 8 Memorandum, Letter Care Paragraph. Very good job. Three, opting or hold-down violations by not placing people on opted routes or not giving them the schedule the regular of the route being opted upon. See Article 41.2.B.3 and 41.2.B.4. That's a fantastic job. He's getting them ready for everything. Look, being as they're going to try to force us into undertime by curtailing, Watch them trying to break ops because of that. If a carrier's opted and they try to tell them we're going to have to break your op because we don't have enough work, you do have enough work. You're the ones who force them into an undertime status. You are the one manufacturing the undertime by telling them to curtail, so I should have stayed on my opt. So watch that as well if that's happening. Fantastic job by this business agent here, getting his people ready. Recognize, of course, that regular carriers on regular assignments may be required to pivot work from other routes where an undertime situation, have, situation having less than eight hours of work truly exists. However, for management to make pivot assignments based on mail volume forecast and perhaps a day or days in advance violates the contract. It can't be determined whether any route actually has any undertime on any day until all mail for that day has been received by the letter carrier and he, she has reached a conclusion as to the amount of time it will take to case and carry all mail available for delivery that day. With all this undertime going on around, with a CD palm happening, with him going off a Dois and pet, them telling you that you've got undertime that's rampant right now across this country. With all of that going on, here's this business agent way back in 2007, sound familiar? Way back in 2007, he's saying, it can't be determined whether any route actually has any undertime on any day until all mail for that day has been received by the letter carrier and he, she has reached a conclusion, not management. Management does not tell me if I have undertime because they're going off a dois and pet. Okay, it says whether he, she has reached a conclusion. We have discussed this in numerous, numerous episodes. As to the amount of time it will take to case and carry all mail available for the delivery that day. Fantastic. It may be helpful to remind our members of the requirement to follow instructions and grieve afterward. We do not want to see anyone disciplined for refusing to follow an instruction. However, 
convinced they may be of its unfairness or that the instruction is a violation of the contract. Thank you for monitoring closely and developments with pivoting. Please inform my office if you require any written instructions to local management or written instructions to carriers regarding pivoting uh, Tim Dowdy. Great job. And here's the, uh, here's the email from the district manager. It's in here as well. And then it's got the contractual language. I'm not going to read that to you, okay? Uh, I'm not going to read that. But it'll be in there for you, so copy the whole damn thing off, all right? Pivoting process importance high. In order to improve our evolving pivoting process, I'm instructing every office to begin using a pivot plan each day on either a rip chart or grease board. You should use a marker to record on the chart board the routes that are scheduled to be pivoted. With the carriers by name that will perform the various portions of those routes, identify the route by number that will be pivoted, and list each carrier that will work on the route with a specific time frame and work assignment. Uh, and then it gives an example. The chart or board should have the information available for all carriers to view prior to their begin tour. That means you should begin planning at least the day prior and finalize your plans prior to the carriers beginning their work day. Stage your pivot plan in a location that will be most convenient for your use and for employees review near the time clock or near the supervisor's desk seem the most likely places. Give a service talk. Inform everyone about its purpose. If you have any questions after reviewing this information, contact your input. We have not implemented the pivoting process as well as needed. Everyone must review your performance and consider the important points that were provided at the quarterly meeting, some of which are, do not schedule regular carriers to work on their non-scheduled days. Have the office portion of vacant routes cased first. Prior to the regular carriers casing their own routes, include pull-down as a signed part of office pivoting. Use a worksheet of some kind. Don't rely on what is inside your head. Too much goes on in the morning. Assure the street portions of pivoting routes go to the street with carriers who will carry them. Don't have carriers return to the office to pick up pivots. That only wastes street time. As much as possible, pivot in a geographically smart plan. Uh, don't pivot a route that is at the furthest part of your delivery zone if you can pivot one in a central location that minimizes street travel time. Pivot stable routes as much as possible to minimize COA or UBBM issues. Know your strengths and or use good office carriers to pivot in the office. Knowledgeable T6s are good potential. Use DOAS to identify carriers that know routes. It is critical that you utilize your PTS properly during pivoting. During the summer months, you should not have PTS scheduled to work early as a rule. They should be scheduled to be begin work at around 10, at which time they should arrive to find a vehicle loaded with mail to be delivered. <laughs> Loading mail for a PTF can be an office portion of a pivot. If you are really good, the vehicle will contain a route and a half worth of light volume mail, and the PTF will carry the mail and still be finished by 5.30 or so. Yes, that means they will be carrying seven or so hours on the street, but with FSS on the horizon, they may as well get used to it. While a PTF on a hold down may seem the exception to this rule, remember that a PTF on a hold down is entitled to the assignment, but if the route has undertime, you can assign pivot work the same as with regulars. Communication is a key component of pivoting process. You must let all employees know what is expected and you must explain why. 
Let your union representative know what we are doing and why. I have discussed this with union leadership, and all they ask is that the following are national contract. Pivoting does that if done properly, and we must all understand, craft employees included, that pivoting is a normal part of our daily business. All postmasters and managers need to be on the workroom floor during the first few hours to assure the supervisors are pivoting properly and that your employees understand why they're pivoting and that you're uh, supportive of the process. You should expect as we improve management of office performance by improving office pivoting, street performance will suffer if left unchecked. So keep your eyes on this and be sure to get out on the street. Find carriers and bring them back on time or early. Thanks for your compliance. Pivot plan charts boards must be operational by Wednesday. I want to see who can make this happen most quickly and with quality, positive monetary recognition will be provided. Y'all hear that? I want to see who can make this happen most quickly and with quality, positive monetary recognition will be provided. So you get your little bonus. Um, but... So he says, keep your eyes on this and be sure to get out onto the street. Right? How times have changed since 2007. So now what they do, they just watch us with those scanners. <laughs> That's all they do now. They don't get out on the street as required by Section 134 of the M39 Handbook. They just sit on their ass now and watch us with these scanners because we haven't done anything about it. All right, there's your episode. It's an hour and 40 minutes. But... Somebody had reached out, several people had reached out about that. And so thank you to the individual who sent me that off of Discord. That is fantastic stuff, man. Really good. Let's get that disseminated across the country. Get that in people's hands if they're asking questions. Uh, screw these people on Facebook or say don't mention from aid arbitration. If somebody's on there asking a question about it, tell them to go to formatearbitration.com to this episode, download all that stuff, and that's all they're going to need. That's going to educate them right there, okay? A lot of people don't like from aid arbitration. I've told you how I felt about that. I don't care. Uh, but we're going to educate more than anybody else will. We'll educate. All right. We're going to keep doing that. Uh, next week, more uh, salted peanuts. Okay. We're going to keep going. Got a lot of stuff to cover, but we'll keep doing it. So very good stuff right there. Uh, I really like that, that that individual sent me. So again, to him, thank you very much. Um, so there you have it. There's the episode. Y'all have a fantastic week. Make sure you're getting on Discord now. Enjoy that. Uh, they're on there all at all hours. Great, great people on there. Fantastic community of people. I enjoy getting on there and just watching the stuff that they talk about, just following those threads. Fantastic stuff going on there. Those are, are beautiful, fantastic people on Discord. Uh, Reddit, get on there. Fantastic stuff on there as well. They do a fantastic job on Reddit. So get on there from Aid Arbitration Reddit page and enjoy them. They got funny stuff they put up, highly controversial shit going on there on Reddit. But it's really good, man. They got a lot of great talk on there, too. A lot of great contractual talk on Reddit as well, just like Discord, okay? If you get on from AidArbitration.com, it has the links to both of those things. Uh, you got a process on getting on Discord. You're going to have to show some things to get on there. But it's worth it. It's worth the wait. Uh, again, to that buffoon who said that headquarters had gotten on there and listened to that thing, you're a fucking liar. I hate I hate liars, man. I hate that shit. But this is a typical liar, one who's proven that he'll lie over and over again. So 
Uh, he's lying to you. All right. I just want to say that again. So y'all have a fantastic week, man. I love every one of you, especially Glenn. Man, hang in there with me, Glenn. I- I'll do better, man. I- I'm just glad that you keep giving me chances after I've let you down so many times. <laughs> to the information, to the the individual said I was overrated. Hey, at least I'm rated, baby. At least I'm rated. Uh, to the branch president was hot. I get it, man. I get it. But there's a method to the madness, and just uh, just understand. Try to help you out there about the reasoning behind it all. Okay. Y'all have a fantastic week. I love every one of you. And I'll talk to you next Sunday. All right. Bye.